podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. Hello. Happy Yuletide. Is it Yuletide yet? I don't know. No, the, t- the tide has yet to come in. We're a long way from Yuletide, I would have thought. I've Although no it's the first... Yuletide... Yeah, what is Yuletide? I don't know. Christmas it's, it's, is not... It is, whatever it is, it is December 1st. So we've all started our Advent calendars today. Every... Dave actually genuinely does have an Advent calendar. Like some... <laughs> I was going to say like some child, but like some... Like some man pining for a youth that he never had. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, well, good luck to you. Enjoy that advent calendar, Dave. Paul, have you got an advent calendar? No. No. I won't have them in the house. No. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. See what else is disgusting, and that is our points total in the Premier League <laughs> this season. <laughs> So, uh, since the last podcast, uh, Newcastle United have played uh, two more games under the uh, stewardship of Eddie Howe. Uh, Paul, you attended the first of those games at Arsenal. So, I will start by going to you. What were your overall impressions of that game? I thought we were... Was, which I will sorry, which I will now remind the listeners was a two-nil loss. Yeah, we kept things even for I think it was an hour, pretty much not far off there. First half was quite tight, and we made a few chances, but Arsenal really didn't turn up. They, I think, they were able to play within themselves. The sort of only things of note in the first half was Shelby hitting the bar and Aubameyang missing a sitter. That was kind of it. It wasn't. It wasn't liquid football. It was just right, about sorry. okay. And then when we defended okay until we didn't, which seems to be the thing this year. And then as with every game, when you have Matt Ritchie and Emil Kraft at fullback, they were quite easily exploited. And Arsenal mm. had quite a routine win. Dave? Well, I think with it, it's an interesting, like, polar opposite where Bruce would go into a game against, I don't know, fucking Brentford and talk them up and then set up not to lose like he did against like West Brom or Sheffield United or whatever. He would like overestimate the opposition. I think counter to that, Eddie Howe underestimates the opposition or maybe overestimates Newcastle. I don't think we can play that more open style against the the top clubs because we don't have the personnel and we don't have the like the confidence up front to like keep up with their goal scoring. So I think it was a bit naive of Eddie Howe to set us up like that. And I think, yeah, like Paul says, I think he's getting a couple of selections wrong and we'll go on to talk about the Brentford game, I'm sure. But it's, it, <clears throat> yeah, you got, you got, you got a few things wrong. I thought, Joe Linton was was decent again. He had another decent game. I thought Shelby was better than he has been for 
past like couple of seasons under Steve Bruce. So yeah. there are there are like things to be positive about. And the other thing to consider is Arsenal are just much better than us. And if they as as long as they turn up man for man, they're better than us. And nine games out of ten, they're going to take all three points. The positive so, the, the the positive for me was that we uh, we're no longer at second to every single ball. It felt yeah. like we had a bit more energy and and uh, we weren't just sort of frightened school children. We were able to, we, we were challenging for the ball and maybe there's, you know, a sort of renewed confidence that will be shattered soon, but at least a new sort of like vim around the place. Um, and uh, yeah, there were like in both of the games that we've just had this Arsenal game and uh, the game last night, we've had little, there's been a few things you can say, oh, well, that's an improvement, like Shelby, for example, or or whatever, but like we're still, we still don't look like winning a game, we're still really bad. Sort of shows you how bad we've been. We're still yeah. very much, we're still very much a relegation, if not a relegation side. We'll see, but you know, uh, certainly a side that deserves to be in a relegation battle. Yeah, I think Arsenal are a tricky game to draw many conclusions from. Sure. They they only really lose against the top teams at the moment. They're kind of they've weirdly become kind of flat track bullies. I don't think. Mm. I don't think we could have hoped for a result, but I think the, the defensive selections, for me, three of the back four shouldn't be starting. Yeah. And I think well, let's get on to that, because um, the, the game with a lot more to talk about, really, uh, is the game that happened last night against Norwich. Uh, it was described beforehand by many as a must-win game for a game at the end of November, I've, I've, I've never felt this much sort of pressure on a game in terms of relegation at this stage of the season, but it felt very, very important. And everyone involved seemed to acknowledge that. And uh, after the break, we'll talk about how that went. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. It was pointed out to me as soon as uh, I went to break as a professional say in the first part, that that was a, a very 
short first part, you know, as I always say, this is a very amateur operation, so I literally have no idea how long it was. It was quite short. And the reason was that I thought as soon as we got into the Norwich game, we would I'd not be able to get us out of it. We would just not shut the fuck up because uh, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I'm quite prepared to uh, finish this podcast off with a three-hour rant on Kieran Clark. <laughs> <laughs> I've just about calmed down. It's been 24 hours. But I've not been that angry with one of my own players for years. Do you know what it reminded me of? You remember when uh, I think it was Mike Williamson um, basically oh, yeah. charged into a play. I think it was against Leicester in the season we went down. Yeah, and it was it was like a, the stupidest red card up until Kieran Clark ten minutes into the fucking most winnable game of the season. It's weird, the Mike Williamson one and in the other relegation season, I think there was a Danny Guthrie one where mm. it was just it was just players who'd had enough. This didn't even have the excuse of just being anger at things going wrong. It was just so stupid. And for a guy as experienced as Kieran Clark, he should know by now that you can come back from one nil down. It's, you know, it's it's doable. It's a pain in the ass, but you can do it. It's incredibly hard to win a game with 10 men for, for like, more than 80 minutes of the game left to play. It's fucking stupid. I hope it's the last time you see him in a black and white shirt. I really do. I'd be surprised um, if it was. But, you know, maybe I can see the argument for it. Um, for anyone who didn't see the game and hasn't seen the highlights... Uh, basically nine, ten minutes into the game, Kieran Clark made an error which gave the ball to Pookie, I think it was, for Norwich, who ended up essentially in a one-on-one with Dubravka. And Kieran Clark, it's one of those moments where, as you say, he is an experienced defender. He's probably got 400 appearances or something in the Premier League. He's like been around a long time. And it's not like a sort of like rush of blood to the head, you can understand a sort of panic in that moment, but you have a, a second there to make a decision. Do you know what I mean? You you have a you should be able to evaluate in that moment what to do. Yeah, and uh, and he he made the wrong choice, didn't he, Paul? Anything else on that? It's an odd. I mean, he's a player who was signed to bring us up from the championship. We signed him from a relegated Aston Villa team, I think. The fact he's still here five years later is a, it's an indictment of what's gone before, but he has been quite a tidy player for us. He's just At times, yeah. At times, yeah. There was, there's times where he's looked like our best centre-back in the last few seasons. But that, he just feels like his form's been terrible this season it was not a surprise I was saying on our WhatsApp group before kickoff why is Clark in ahead of Fernandez? I don't think I'm the only one and, it, and, and in the Arsenal game before kickoff you were saying why is Kraft starting so I mean you've got to give give Paul Dillon the job to the end of the season just give just put me in interim charge um yeah there's been a couple of selections you know 
there's always going to be questions about selections. It's, it's early to be making big judgments on Eddie Howe, mm. you know, in that regard. Because I, I, I think there's there's a couple of things to consider there. Like there are marginal calls between uh, Kieran Clark and Federico Fernandez, between Emil Kraft and, and Manquillo. It's not like he's he's not picking Callum Wilson and he's picking Dwight Gale instead. You know, there's not that I think big they a gap feel, between the two of them. I think there is. It, a it's big obvious gap to us them. though. It's obvious to us because we've seen them play for five years or however long. And we we know now, well, he's not to be trusted in these situations or he's, he's, his legs have gone or whatever. We've seen it. Look, Eddie Howe's had like, what, four weeks at the club? I wonder with and Fernandez he, whether there's a fitness thing going on there. It could, it could be that as well. But, I mean, certainly with, I mean, <clears throat> you can only piss with the cock you've got. And we don't have a great amount of depth in... In quality. Sorry, you can't just carry on that sentence. <laughs> you can't just leave that hanging there unaddressed. <laughs> you can only piss with the cock you've got. Is this a. How many times have you said that phrase in your life, Dave? Is this a common phrase that I'm not aware of? Have you heard it's that not... phrase before, Paul? <laughs> Never. I like. I'm going to use it from now on. You can only piss with the cock you've got. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Carry on. I just want. Can yeah. I continue? <laughs> you can continue your point, Dave. But you know. Yeah. yeah. You've I'm already been about that it. phrase for like, the next six or seven minutes. Whatever point you make is not going to be nearly as interesting as the phrase you used at the start of it. <laughs> <laughs> so you might as well stop. The, the just the the quick point is that we haven't got great quality. And so he, he's picking between Kraft and Manquillo or Richie and Lewis or Clark and Fernandez. They're not that there's not huge gaps of quality between the two of them. I know there is a gap. I think in each of the, I'm I'm not I'm not making a big deal out of Eddie Howe now, but no. Each no. each of those, I think it's the wrong decision. I think I've speaking of let's so let's give a positive. Jamal Lewis got his first start of the season, I think, for us last night. Yeah. Uh, against mm-hmm. his old side, Norwich. And to me, he looked like a completely different player to last season. Do you agree, Paul? He looked defensively more solid than he has in any game for us. And until the sending off, looked really threatening attacking as well. That obviously died down a bit because we had to recalibrate a whole game plan. But yeah, I thought he looked really encouraging it's mm. again you say there's not much gap but I wouldn't be playing a right midfielder at left back ahead of so unless he's unless he can't stand up in training or something I, I know what you're saying but then we we talk about Matt Ritchie as this uh, right-sided midfielder but the facts are that for the past what three or four seasons he's been playing as a wing back a left-sided wing-back for a lot of those games. So it's not like he's he's a player out of position. He's a player who has these two positions. And while, yes, his foot, you know, he, he started his career as a right-winger, he's, he's filled in and at times been really good at, at left wing-back. Now, I agree, Lewis should have started more often. I think, like, certainly under Eddie Howe, I think we'll see a lot better from him because I think he's a better coach than, than previous... 
And then I think with Fernandez and Clark, yes, I think we should should have been going with Fernandez because he's a much calmer head. He might not have the legs that the Clark. Well, then Clark doesn't have the legs either. So I think Eddie Howe's got things wrong. I'm just saying that he's got. He, you've got to give him a bit of grace period to work out what his best team is, and also get that team used to how he wants to play. Yeah, Especially I think when as well. I think, with, I think he's probably sorry, picked the team he thinks will get a result. And yet, the, like as fans, we don't always know what's best. Like plenty of fans, us included, would have said, "Now Howe's in." Joe Linton and Shelby need to be out of that team. And they've I did. Been, they've yeah. been our two best players since then. But I Absolutely. Emil Kraft just, it doesn't, he's not a Premier League right back and he shouldn't be anywhere near our first. I would rather have Isaac, Isaac Hayden at right back than Emil Kraft. Mm. He's just, I feel like there's a few selection things that seem a bit more obvious. Not picking Dubravka against Brentford costs us two points. Yeah. Picking those fullbacks against Arsenal costs us the chance of a point, I would say, but really you'd write off as a defeat anyway. And then Kieran Clark last night cost us another two points. Yeah, because I, I honestly think that that Norwich side are terrible. And the only reason they got a point last uh, last night was because we were down to 10 men for 80 minutes. I think, you know, Ryan Fraser stays on the pitch. And we're, you know, we're much better in attack because we can attack and we can get forward. Kieran Clark completely cost us this game. And that's why I, I, I don't want to see him in a black and white shirt again. Because No, I understand. But you'd like to think so um, because you're right. It was, it was a very, very difficult situation that you put us into. But there are two positives we can take from it. One, that we were able to... Uh, come out of it with a result to to get pretty close to getting three points from it. It was a good battling performance, but another positive from it would be just how shit one of our relegation rivals are in Norwich City. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I mean, another positive surely, as well is another positive is we actually got to see what looks like our best back four playing together, regardless of it needing injuries and suspensions to get there you would think that might be our back four in the game against Burnley as well I'd like to think so how long is Lascelles out for I, I he's available for Burnley I think it's just I five yellows back into the side I, I just don't think as a new manager you, you drop, drop your captain yeah uh, yeah I, I, I agree but I, I, I think that um, that should be our back four until January but then <laughs> if any of them are in the back four, it should only really be Lewis if if he continues this form because I don't think the rest of them are up to it. I, 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 I don't mean, think we. I don't think we will. Bring I don't know what up up to what. I don't know, but I think I think Mankio has been all right of late. Actually, uh, yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. But we we definitely we definitely need much better quality at centre back even if it's on loan until the end of the season, but we need much, much better quality of centre-back. Okay. Well, we'll I also think there. as a manager, you can't go, this is clearly my best back four, but I don't want to upset the captain, so I'll I'll give us a greater chance of getting relegated. Sure, but I also agree with Dave about it actually being quite fine margins in terms of... You think that you've got... There's an obvious... 
I think Fernandez yeah. is head and shoulders above Lascelles, and I think we need a ball playing defender like Cher in there, and he's the only one who can do that. Okay, but like, uh, you know, successive managers have have picked Lascelles, and he is. He's know. improved a little bit under Howe as well, but I'm, I guess I'm basing it more on his form this season. Well, compared to how shit he was at the start of the season. <laughs> he's only looked like he's got one big mistake in him every game under Howe. Yeah. How many so, games um, have been under Howe? <laughs> one of the losers. Well, since, since Bruce went, I guess, right. under Howe. Right. Um, I think- a, look, look, I'm going to Twitter now. Um, D. Dan Ford says... I'm, I'm using. You made a face there, Dave. I'm using it as part of the discussion. I'm bringing in. No, it's I'm, cool. I'm looking for just it. cool ways to bring in our um, social media contributions, rather than just like blind reading a series of <laughs> tweets at the end. Um, uh, a Dan Ford says, "When did we sign this Bra- Brazilian midfield enforcer?" Uh, We've had a few comments on uh, Joe Linton. Geordie Ash says, why do some of our fans still not rate Joe Linton? The number of tweets I've seen today saying he's shite should be replaced with Almiron. What does he actually offer? Complaining he does give, he gives the ball away. Are these fans, are these fans who had already decided he was crap or idiots? I'm seeing him get quite a lot of credit, Joe Linton, and rightly so. Right, guys? Yeah, I think he's looked Definitely. amazing. I think in the first, in the game against Brentford, he suddenly looked like a really good winger, and then like they were saying last night, he looked like Patrick Vieira. I think the only position he seems unable to play in is up front, striker. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think otherwise so, he looks great. It's been his first two years of his career. <laughs> yeah. Trying to be a number nine. So last last night. Uh, only a few of our players made more passes. Only Shah made more tackles. No one made more blocks. Only Shelby had more touches. He was fucking excellent in that role. I know it was a battling performance and he had to dig in and he didn't maybe, I don't know, create a lot at the, the top end of the pitch, but then nobody was really able to create anything because we were you know, down to 10 men. I thought he was, he's absolutely, he's absolutely turned me around on him and I, I thought that, that he was he we'd be lucky to get five million for him now there's a bit of a player there and even if he's yeah. not going to be he's, I mean he's never going to be the 40 million pound player that we, we we you know that he we paid for but he's he's a player yeah and he could be very very valuable this season in in the way that you know all those stats you just offered just the things that he does that give you, uh, you know, percentage improvements. There's a couple of points when he was up at the the top end of the pitch and he made the wrong decision. Uh, There was an instance where we had a couple of men in the box. He was just outside the box and he swung his left foot at it from fully 25 yards. And you just thought, in this kind of situation, when you're trying to keep the ball as far away from our goal as possible for as long as possible, just pass it around up there. Don't take a shot from 25 yards, just work it into fine. the box. That particular shot, I was fine with it. Go for it. It was a quite a good shooting opportunity. It was just outside the box. Go for it. You I know, think the closer, the closer he gets to goal, though, the the worse his judgment seems to get. I think like you were saying mm. the other week, he's a bit like Scholler, where you just think, as long as he doesn't have time to think about it when he's 
in and around the box is fine. Yeah. But when it, the la, I, of all our players, the one I'd worry about if they had a free run from the halfway line unopposed <laughs> to the opposition goal, it would be Joel Linton. But I think it's interesting yeah. that question as well on about replacing him, or you were saying about people wanting him replaced with Almiron. I think there's more of a case for that happening with St. Maximum than there is with Joel Linton in the way we're playing. Yeah. Maybe. It's, I would, it's, it's, it's really weird. Sorry, it's it, just very quickly. It's really weird because Alan St. Maximum is clearly the most talented footballer at the club. But his form since how took over has been pretty poor. And that might be because of a whole host of other reasons, like being down to 10 men, like being coming up against Arsenal, like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But even even when he's had the the, the opportunity to to be a bit um, of himself, you know, just just go on a run, he hasn't looked as sharp, he hasn't looked as as dangerous as he has done previously. It always uh, offers you a few moments in the game where he reminds you of how good he is. Yeah, I do. I do find him very frustrating, and I don't blame him for it. I don't think. He's, I definitely don't see him as a lazy player. I don't see him as an idiot or anything, but he always takes too many touches for me. And I think as well, the work he puts in defensively is what worries me more. I don't mind him trying to take on three players and losing the ball if there's no one else up around him, but it's just the lack of... So I think that's, that's sort of what affected Jamal Lewis more last season was just he was so often two against one when he was playing. That was making him look a worse player than he was. But then he's sort of like our Ronaldo. He's our best player, but I don't know if the team's a little worse with him in or not. I think it's too soon to be saying that, and I wouldn't necessarily want to see him drop, but I'd be intrigued to see what it would be like with Joel Linton, Almiron, Wilson kind of front three. Yeah. I think certainly in games where we're, we are going to play more on the counter and not expect to have like equal footing as we would do against Norwich or Brentford or, or Burnley or those kind of teams, but certainly against the better opposition, having someone like Almiron who who carries the ball and is, but is like, I don't know, does do a little bit more defensively. I think it's, it's a good check. So let's talk a little bit... Uh, about the future because uh, there is always so much to talk about with us at the moment because we are in this relegation battle. We are currently on course to become, as I called it last night, the Vincibles, um, having not won a game in 14. Although seven draws, it's quite a lot. We've got a 50% draw rate. But yeah. to, to have not won in 14 games but have seven points is quite weirdly impressive but you know still bottom of the table um you know a very dire situation but also in this really odd situation of our new ownership and and all the money that that brings so we've got a few questions on that as you would expect uh rjm 023 that's his that's that's the twitter twitter handle I think your podcast is great. Thanks, RJM023. Question, do you go crazy in January to try and avoid relegation but risk signing mercenaries or risk relegation but spend very little in January and rebuild in the summer? 
Uh, Lagrange says, do Wilson and ASM stick around for a season in the championship if we go down? Um, you know, Paul M says, now that we have our takeover and new coach, what would be the best Christmas present for NUFC other than a win? So I, I'm, I'm just using those questions as a springboard to talk about uh, January. The future, yeah. You know, yeah. Somebody else asked, are we going to? Are we going to spend like over a hundred million quid? The big question is: is like at this stage, who's going to want to come to us? Obviously, think, some people, but the right players. I don't know. I think some players will would come for the money. You're looking more at exciting European players who will think they could come for the money, and if we get relegated, they'll have been in the shop window enough mm. to go to a different Premier League team. I think really any any big signings we make this January, if we're still in the relegation zone you have to be looking at those being loans with a view to buying if we stay in the league rather than rather than just splashing a load of money for players who aren't going to play in the championship i'll tell you one yeah. play they, on amazon prime last night they did uh they showed up a graphic with a list of i don't know who had decided this list but it was a list of potential january transfers oh, yeah. for us and the player on that list that excited me the most, and I could see the logic behind it, you could see maybe someone getting the chance to buy him, was Christian Pulisic. I was like, if we can have Christian Pulisic, I would, that gave me the, I love Christian Pulisic. That would give me the proper horn. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think what we have to like consider is that as long as we're in, within touching distance come come January, and you know it's it's a tough run between now and then. You know the, that that December run is of six games is is really tough. But after after the like the January window opens, we've got a run of about nine games where all of them are pretty winnable if we go in there with a bit of confidence, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So if we can line up players to join early January, as long as we're within touching distance of safety. You can't. You can convince, like you could convince James Tarkovsky to swap Burnley for Newcastle, as long as you say to James Tarkovsky, we've also got this exciting player coming on loan from Man U or from Arsenal, from Borussia Mönchengladbach, wherever. Have you seen as as today? You... Sorry, just on Tarkovsky, Burnley have said they won't be selling him to Newcastle in January. They're well, they're willing to let his contract run out to the end of the season. I I don't blame them. They're in a relegation battle as well. You're not going to you're yeah, not gonna yeah, strengthen fine. your opponents. I think we'll find that problem. I was going to say our game. I was going to say our game against Burnley this Saturday could prove to be one big like recruitment drive for James Tarkovsky. But, um, uh, but yeah, I th- I think we we could we could convince players to come. Uh, certainly, if you stick a relegation release clause in there, and certainly if you have that, like Paul was saying, just like a loan with a view to buy, if we stay up, I think I think there's money talks at the end of the day. And like you say, if if you got some um, European player comes for half a season, does really well, or does well enough to get himself a move to another Premier League club, yeah, he'll snap it up. Yeah, that's, I'm, think, I'm not worried about recruitment. I think you're on though. the mercenary point. There are. There are players who are motivated by money who still put in a lot of effort once they're with you. I always remember when Kevin Nolan left us to go to West Ham in the championship, 
he was still a great player for them, but it was a decision only motivated by money. Premier League teams. You, you say you're not worried about recruitment, Dave. I mean, we've had a message here from an Everton fan, Sam Ward, who says, just ask Everton fans, be very, very careful with the new fan wealth. I mean, yes, they're not, Everton are not a, a side who are looking at relegation. But I think a lot of us, we look at the money that we now have and we just sort of put two and two together and, and look at Man City and Chelsea. And I'm not saying everyone thinks, oh, well, it's just a given that we're going to end up challenging for titles. But there are a lot of sides who spend hundreds of millions but spend it quite badly. And yeah. <laughs> not everything that's happened since the takeover has gone through or even in the lead up to it has suggested that the new operation are incapable of making poor decisions or handling things badly. So, you know. Yeah, I, 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 so when I said I wasn't worried about recruitment, it was more that we would yeah. still be an attractive place to, sure. to join rather yeah. than we would definitely get the, the recruitment right. Because, yeah. I mean, you look at, look at how much we have spent, Newcastle United have spent on players that haven't worked out. We've spent, I mean, tens of millions of pounds, probably hundreds of million pounds on players like Riviere, Tovan, Cabea, plenty of it. And you look at West Ham, how much they've spent on strikers and how badly they, most of their strikers turn out. Everton, how much they've spent and how bad it's turned out. So I'm not saying that we'll get it right. I'm just saying I'm not worried about players who could improve us not wanting to join us. I'm, that's not a concern. Fair enough. I think the other worrying thing with recruitment is it sounds like we're not going to have a director of football in before the end of January, which seems mm. mad to like, if you think how long every decision's taken so far and how there's sort of three split voices on every decision, I'm not, it's a bit worrying who's driving recruitment for us. And is that true? That sounds proper yeah. mental if we're not going to have them until the end of January they don't expect in. to have anyone in by the transfer for the January window yeah but then I suppose there's an argument to be made that having a director of football in um, for what is likely going to be a firefighting transfer window rather than a long-term plan window you, you don't really need a long-term plan in place when your your primary goal is staying up because you can sign the players that will be good enough to keep you up without without an eye on five years down the line and who's the replacement for the replacement for the player that you just signed. Like you don't have to have that long term. I think my um, worry is more vision. practical though. We've not even got Charnel anymore. Like who's going to be working the fax machine? <laughs> is there going to be anyone there? Yeah, I, th I think we do need to sort that out and sort that out quickly. But. Um, Purely in terms of transfer dealings in the, the January window, I would hope that we're already. I mean, we will like Newcastle United will be absolutely bombarded by agents right now because we are wealthy. So we will be getting a lot of um, agents touting their, their their players around. We do need somebody to go filter through that and, and find the ones that we can actually help. And Eddie Howe's got a decent record of transfers. It's not it's not hundred percent, but then it's decent. When he was about to, I know that other people were suggesting that he had 
a bad record for Treadstones, but I'm happy to take your just just given. I'm, I'm happy I think to his take his two biggest there. money signings were the ones that get criticised. I'm trying to think who it was: Solanke and Ibe. Ibe. Yeah. But then yeah. you got players like Callum Wilson for less than a million and mm. Arsenal's keeper for next to nothing as well. There's I just, plenty of good ones in there. I'd imagine on every podcast for the next few weeks, there'll be a lot more chat on uh, the January transfer window. But I'll just, we, we didn't quite answer LaGrange's question. Uh, do Wilson and ASM stick around for a season in the championship if we go down? It's an interesting question. I would think probably no. Wilson maybe, but because um, he'll be what thirty-one, so um, he might stick around because th- that's the trajectory of his career now is going to be um, down in like. But I would imagine that there'll be a Premier League side who would fancy. Sure, yeah. yeah. I think other. as well, both those players, whether it's unrealistic or not, have both got designs on trying to make the World Cup you would imagine mm. they're not going to want to be in the championship. And you look at Wilson, if you put him in a team like Brighton or Southampton, who create a lot of chances but can't finish, yeah, he would yeah, that's fair. get two, two, 10, 15 there. goals a season. And so Maximum will, will, be, will definitely be gone, which is a shame, but then I can't Yeah, can't I mean, them. COVID money is the only thing that changes. There's not, the market's not going to be what it's been like in previous seasons. I think the only reason St Maximum's here is because of COVID as well, in a weird way. So it depends on how many willing a buyer there'll be. Yeah, but in, in the same way as um, Wilson will have suitors from the Premier League, so will St Maximum. Um, there will be like Everton or someone like that will yeah. look at St Maximum and think that he can make the difference. And um, NBC have just signed a new broadcast deal with uh, the Premier League, which is a pretty much double the previous one so Premier Leagues in the 22 season are going to have a little bit more money coming in from the broadcast deals Right well, I'd be interested to see uh, ASM playing for Rafa Benitez at Everton <laughs> <laughs> There's no way Benitez is going to be there next season No it doesn't look like it does it uh, So our next game is you would have to say another inverted commas must win uh, against Burnley, it's a it's a huge game. It's a six pointer. Uh, Burnley, Paul, who have just drawn away at Wolves nil nil as well tonight. But I think a tough team to break down. Definitely, but they did Burnley give us as as good as Chris Wood can be, and their other who's their other striker. Do Burnley give us, yeah? Do Burnley give us that our best chance of uh, a, a clean sheet so far this season? It's been our our only clean sheet of the season has been Burnley in the the Carabao. So you right. have to say so, and they were we deserved to win that by at least two, if memory serves. Oh, we're going to win it right three points, Paul. Well, you would hope. The problem is, you think if everyone plays to their potential and everything goes to plan, we should be looking to win. But that Kieran Clark's ruined that viewpoint for me. I can't think like that anymore. Yeah, but maybe Javier Manquillo is just going to just I don't know, not turn up. Mm. Just field ten, 
10 players. I don't know. I think we should win that. I don't think it's the... It feels must win, but I think we have to look at the broader situation and say we're six points off safety with 24 games to play. So as much as games feel like must win, they're not. No, I would say it's it's must win, but it's not must win. It's yeah, you know, it's you would really it would, think, it would be very annoying if we didn't get three points. I think I think we uh, give me a score. Burnley. Before I before I go to you, Dave, I need a score okay. four, please. I go one nil as. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, all I was going to say is that Burnley are have struggled to score, and I think that we haven't. Like for all we haven't been great, we've scored in pretty much every game uh, in the Premier League. I think in every game in the Premier League. So, yeah, I reckon one nil to us. Yeah, okay. I'll go. To, I'll go two nil to us. Wow, two nil to us. Maybe, maybe Joe Willock will become a footballer again and get a goal. Maybe. That would be nice. I'd like a double Joe. Joe Lynn and a Joe Willock. That'd be nice. Oh, two lovely lads. Two lovely two goals lovely for two lovely lads. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's leave it there. Thank you very much, Dave Watson. Thanks, Fergus. Thank you, Paul Doolan. Thank you. And thank you to you, the Newcastle Natter listener. And thank you, Steve Bruce. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.